we approach your word with awe. Your word is magnificent. Your word is life-changing. Your word is life-giving. So, Father, I pray that this morning you would overshadow me. Let the people hear things I don't even say. I pray that you would speak in between my phrases. When I'm drawing breath for the next word, you be speaking to their hearts. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would create wellness with words this morning. Bring about healing and deliverance in the strong name of the Son of God. Amen. This morning we're going to continue with the topic about being new. And that's because I was threatened last week after service that if I didn't preach on new after I said I would, I would get hurt. And so I forgive Yvonne for threatening me that way. And I told Cleve I don't want to risk the pain, so we'll preach on the new. So this morning I want to start a new series called Welcome to the New. And I want to say this as we get started. The enemy of life is not afraid of the old you. He's the master of the old you. And he's not afraid of the religious you. Because he's a fan of religion. In fact, some would say he's the author of religion. So the old you, he's not afraid of. He knows how to control the old you. The religious you, he's not afraid of because he wrote all the rules. It's the new you that he's terrified of. Because the new you, he has no counteroffensive. He has no answer to the new you. You know, the Bible tells us this, that if they had known what the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ was going to bring about, they never would have killed him. They never would have done it. Because one of him was bad enough. A whole race of new yous that look just like him, you are the devil's worst nightmare when you learn the new you. So uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the new you. And I want to start out by saying this. Listen, welcome to a new beginning where possibilities are endless and the journey is yours to create. For years, I've said this. It's, it's one of the Jimmyisms. Never let limited men who have limited God limit you by their suppositions, their opinions, and their judgments. If you've got people in your life who will tell you what God can't do, dump them. Because they're limiting God. And one, If you've never read this book, we'll get started in just a second, but if you've never read this book, there's a book I encourage you to go to Amazon, get the book, it's by Andrew Walmack, and it's called Don't Limit God. It'll revolutionize your way of thinking. Because so many of us, we've limited God, and not intentionally. But we've been taught by people who got PhDs. And Brother Hagen used to say, PhD means post hole digger. Because there's, they're, they're more interested in telling us what God, what God can't or won't do than are by telling us who we are in Him and what God will do. If God's ever worked a miracle, ever, then He'll work a miracle for you because He's the God that changeth. This is why I said, listen, if God has ever been good, then He's got to always be good because in Him there's no variableness, there's no shadow of turning. 
God never has a bad day. He never has a day where he doesn't act like God. You know, how many of you have ever seen someone who's just like, well, that ain't you. That's, it's out of character. God's never out of character. Never. Because he doesn't change. So if God has ever been good, he must forever be good. And if he ain't forever good, then he ain't never been. And I'm using the word ain't on purpose because it's anointed. If he ain't forever good, then he ain't ever good. But if he's ever been good, then you serve a good, good God. Amen. And we need to broaden our horizon and our perspective of what God can and will do. And he's going to do things differently. And I like Harold told me he's ordering a shirt. I think Harold stick a thumbs up if I get it right. Get used to different. Get used to different. Amen. Let don't don't pigeonhole God. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Go with me to second Corinthians. Because there are a few rabbits already running around the place. And I want to get started. Welcome to the new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and that's the, that's the qualification right there, in Christ, not in church, in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation, new species, never had existed before. The old things, and I wasn't going to chase down the old, but on the way to church this morning when I was preaching, listen, if you could hear me preach in the truck on the way to church, you feel a whole lot better in the truck than I do in the pulpit. Because sometimes when I get in the pulpit, I go, what was it I said in the truck? Because I want to say that same thing. But on the way here, I started getting some input into my heart about the old. The old in the Greek is the word archaeos. It's where we get the word archaic. Archaic means relating to the old. And it has to do primarily, listen to this, it has to do with a manner of speech that's no longer relevant. See, remember I told you last week that we have to put off the old? We have to put off, well, one of the things that you've got to put off of the old that is archaic is the way you used to speak. Proverbs says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And literally, this is a rabbit. It's not part of the sermon. This is free. There's bunnies all over the place. The way we used to speak, if you listen to people, when they people outside of Christ, it's rare that they're positive. Because they tend to be negative. Everything is worst case scenario. Because that, that death nature that we had before we come to Christ, it leans to the negative. Because death rules. Death ain't positive. Death is negative. But remember I told you last week when grace came, it was death to death. So when we're putting off the old, it's not just about behaviors. It's about words. Because the old thing, the word archaic, relates primarily to manner of speech. 
And so you can listen to people who either don't know Christ or they only know a little bit about Christ and how they speak about their life, how they speak about their relationships, how they speak about their world. They tend to be negative. Nothing ever works good for me. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. See, there's two, there's two powers floating around. You got the law or the power of death. And you've got the law or the power of life. Your tongue grants authority to one or the other. You're following me. So the old you, you just naturally gave authority to death. I've heard, listen, I drive a 22-year-old truck that thinks it's new. It ain't never given me a liquor problem. But I don't speak over, Pastor, you talk to what you want to talk to, I'll talk to what I want to talk to. I don't feel like having to buy a new vehicle every six months because mine breaks down. So when I talk about my truck, I say, you're a blessed truck. I love you. You pretty. You drive well. And it does. And I've heard other people say, well, this piece of C-Rap, it never starts. I wonder why. Huh? Man, I tell you what, I got pain in my knee. It must be cancer. Worst case scenario. Why you got to be like that? Why can't you? Like, remember, is this okay? I told you I'm chasing rabbits. They're everywhere. In, a, in an age and a culture when we can identify as anything as we want, why can't we identify as blessed? Why can't we identify as the healed of the Lord? So when that pain tries to come into our body, why not lay hands on yourself and say, I am the healed of the Lord? When I blew out my knee the day after Christmas, I didn't walk around talking about, would you all pray for me? They're going to have to amputate my leg. No, when it hurt, I was like, Father, I thank you. I'm the healed of the Lord. Your word works mightily in me. And when it really hurt, I was like, God, I thank you. I'm the healed of the Lord. <laughs> but you've got to put away those old. Listen, the way some husbands talk about their wives. Your old lady. Is that really what you want your princess to be? And come on, wives, I've heard some of you talk about your husbands. No wonder he's Pee Wee Herman, because you never call him Superman. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And you got to put away that old language. You know, listen, this ain't part of the sermon. I might not get back to it. But this is so, this is important. Because every place you go in life, you've got to learn a new language. As you grow up, you have to learn. You know, you don't want someone who's 22 talking like they're two. Mama, will do feed me? I'm hungry. You look at them and say, what's wrong with you? As you grow in life, and I've discovered every specialty has their own language. I've talked to people that really know computers, and I know it's English. It just ain't my English because they're talking about things I don't understand. Every arena of life has its own language. The kingdom of heaven has a language that is its own. It's called the language of faith. And we, you and I need to learn it because the old language, we may have been fluent at it. But you need to learn a new language. If you're going to experience the new, you have to have a new language. How do you learn it? By assimilation, 
and by exposure. I'm going to tell you how to learn the kingdom of heaven language. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look for the letters in red. And read it in a version. Don't, don't do King James, because you're never going to speak Elizabethan English. I would encourage you to read it in the New American Standard or the New Living Translation. I like the Passion Translation not for study. So I would recommend new NAS or NLT. Read it. And just look at the words in red, and you'll be learning the language of heaven. How did Jesus speak when he was confronted with impossibilities? Did he say, oh, myself, I'll never be able to handle this? Did Jesus ever degrade, devalue, and demean himself? Did he ever think that the way to make somebody else feel better about themselves was to lower himself? No. So he always spoke faith. It doesn't, can you, you, do you remember the story of Lazarus? Can you imagine how the story would have changed if he had found out, Lord, he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said, what? Four days? Dog, if we could have just got there in three. Three I can handle, but four, he stinketh. We got to go to the next. Jesus never reacted to impossibilities as if they were impossibilities. Jesus always reacted to impossibilities as if God was greater. <laughs> See, there is a greater one. Greater than anything. And the greater one, according to Scripture, abides. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So the greater one abides within. And so we need to speak as if that's a present day reality. So that when we're faced with impossibilities, be they physical, financial, emotional, relational, in any arena of life, the greater one, the one who is greater than what I'm facing is inside of me. And so the one who is inside of me controls what I say. Because just like our master, he said, I don't say anything. Lest I heard the father say it. So you need to hear what is the spirit of grace saying about your situation and then parrot what he's saying. That's the language of heaven. That's part of putting away the old. See, it's frustration when we try to live the new, but we talk the old. Because Jesus said something in the book of Matthew. He said, by your word, you'll be justified and by your word, you'll be condemned. You could also say it this way, by your words, you'll be liberated or by your words, you'll be confined. If we want to live the newness of life, we have to learn a new language. And of course, that language is not going to be understood by spiritually illiterate or unsaved people. It just ain't going to be. So you do. Is this OK? I'm still chasing the bunnies. Sometimes you, how many of you ever spoke to someone in a foreign, that spoke a foreign tongue? I've traveled the world and this, no matter where you are, this is what they do. They do the same thing. It doesn't matter whether they're doing it in Russian, Polish, German. They speak slower and louder as if that's going to help. I've had Russians talk to me that way and I'm looking at them going, dude, I didn't understand you the first time. Slowing it down and increasing volume ain't going to help. But sometimes when you're trying to speak faith and they don't get it, 
Just slow it down and make it louder. <laughs> I am the healed of the Lord. I don't get it. Let me say it again. I am. And you're learning to speak, but the more you do it, the more fluent you'll become. So understand that part of putting away the old is not just not wearing the same clothes and it's not getting a new hairstyle and it's certainly not just adding Sunday morning church to your schedule. Learning to live in the newness of life is about adopting a new language. We don't talk death no more. We don't talk unbelief no more. We don't talk hatred no more. We talk about faith. We talk about love. We talk about endless possibilities. Amen. So now let's look at this word new. I like this because in the Greek it's kanos. And I like what this means. It literally, listen to this. It means not impaired by time or use. The things of the natural always wear out with the use. The things of the spirit improve with the use. See, hate will wear you down. You ever look at someone, just look at their physical appearance, somebody who has spent their whole life hating everyone who's not just like them. They look haggardly. Hate will wear you out. Drug use. I've got some friends who started using drugs in high school and they're still using them. They don't look nearly as pretty as I do. And it's not simply genetics. <laughs> Faith calls those things that are not as though they were so i'm gonna keep saying it i've shared with you before i had someone tell me you're pretty you're pretty annoying and all i heard was you're pretty <laughs> the more we operate in faith the stronger it gets the more we operate in love the stronger love gets the newness of the life that is within us it does not grow old. It doesn't get tarnished because His mercies are new every morning. The inner man is being renewed. And you and I need to understand that, that sometimes we feel like we're worn out, but you're actually not. That's just the, the humanity in you. The divinity in you is fresh, is new, and is up to the challenge. Yes. Because the new you does not get tarnished with age. The new you is eternally and forever young. And is up to the task. You can do it when you rely on the spiritual side of you. Is this okay? We're talking about welcome to the new. We're not just churchgoers. We are brand new. The newness of the new creation does not wear off, wear, our, wear out, or tarnish. That's grace, man. But really, before, if we're going to understand verse 17, we got to go back a few verses. So I want us to go back all the way to verse 14. Is this okay? Verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to this. For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all. So that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. The part I want you to see is, listen, the, the, the new you is built on the foundation of the love of Christ. For the love of Christ 
Verse 14, the love of Christ controls, urges, and impels us. So before Paul ever got to the thing of saying, old things are passed away and behold, all things are made new, he said the love of Christ is the foundation of all this newness. In fact, I wrote these words. Listen to this. Until love paints the portrait of Christ, we'll have a poor image of Jesus. Until love paints the portrait of others and even of ourselves, we will have poor images and poor self-images. But when love becomes the foundation of our understanding, the prism that forms our perspective, then everything appears new. What I'm trying to tell you is this. The new has nothing to do with rules and religiosity and what you do or don't do. The new you is a lover of life. The new you has no room for hate. The new you has no room for prejudice or any isms. If you or I can look at someone else and judge them strictly on appearance, we're not walking in love. And so therefore, we're treating everything as if it were old. If you and I want to, and how many, how many of you want to walk into the newness of life where there's endless possibilities? Then we got to dump hate. And it doesn't matter what the provocation We've got to dump it because if we adopt hate, we hurt ourselves more than the ones we think we're justified to hate. Love is the foundation of all of it, and love has to be the artist that paints the portrait of our lives. Let's look again at verse 16. Therefore, and Brother Hagin used to tell us, whenever you see the word therefore, Find out what it's there for. Therefore, because we now have the love view, from now on we recognize, identify, no one by the flesh. Are you seeing that? I'll say it again. Because we have the love view, for the love of Christ controls us, urges us, and impels us. Therefore, because of this love, can I get a new mic, please? I'll keep talking, but someone bring me a new mic. Because we now have the love view, from now on we recognize, identify, no one by the flesh. Even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet now we know Him in this way no longer. I want to look at the same verse, but in the New Living Translation. Listen to this. So we have stopped evaluating others. It's like I'm running for president, 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 president. <laughs> so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. You want to know what will end all the isms that are breaking our culture apart? The love of Christ. The love of Christ in a reformed, renewed human heart makes no room for all that. So let's look at it again in another translation. I believe it's in the Amplified. Listen to this. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a pur pur purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value, 
No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. This is all the foundation for being new. In view of the fact that the Lord Jesus died for all people and rose again, the effect of that has been to change all our feelings and give us entirely new views of people, of ourselves, and of the Messiah. We're talking about newness. In order to be a new you, you've got to have a new view. A new view of what? A view of people, a view of yourself, and a view of Christ. Without the love view, ain't nothing going to be new. Is this okay? What we listen to this, what we see in others reveals secret information about who we are ourselves. I want one person wrote this. I don't I don't know who to give it credit to, but I liked it. We see the world not as it is, but as we are. Listen to t- Titus chapter 1 verse 15. To the pure All things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. We're still talking about the new you. What we see in others is a reflection of our self-image. This is what Titus is saying. So can we keep it real for a moment? This is the reason why a liar thinks everyone's a liar. Because the way I see others is just a reflection of the way I see myself. Have you ever noticed a con man thinks everything's a con? Because their whole world is a reflection of themselves. So we're talking about putting on the newness. If you can't see others new, you can't see yourself new, you're never going to have a new view. We've got to stop evaluating each other according to natural standards. What kind of car do you drive? How much money you got? How much? What's that chemical that makes up our skin color? Melanin? Melanin? How much melanin you got? Come on. The whole world judges itself by that, by a chemical in the skin. I heard one preacher say, he said, there ain't no different colors. There's just different levels of melanin. The haters see only hate. The racists see racism everywhere. Psychologists call this the law of mirroring. The law of mirroring explains, listen to this, why you keep attracting the same people and problems. When you begin to see others as valuable, special, loved people, you'll begin to see your whole life as valuable, special, and filled with love. Everything becomes new, but love's got to be the foundation. If you can only see what flesh sees, you'll miss the special moments and the spiritual people. Can I, can I share a couple? There have been some events that just took place in this last year that have just absolutely drove this home to me. 
that the way you see people will be often the way they treat you. See, I have something that I've carried with me since right after my wife and I got married. It's called the Miller Code of Conduct. And it's been with, on me physically or digitally my whole married life. And part of that Miller Code of Conduct is this, to treat every person I meet as special and to greet everyone with a smile. It's just something I decided to do a long time ago. And in and, and a couple, and I got to drive this home because, see, if, if we think old, we're always going to experience the old. But if we can begin to love and have a love view that gives us a new view of the whole world and everyone that abides within it. There was a time, and Harold was with me, we were driving my father-in-law up from Key West to bring him up to Greenville to continue his medical treatment. And I want to say it was about 2 o'clock in the morning somewhere in Redneckville, Florida. We were out in the middle of nowhere. And John had to use the restroom, and we had to get gas. So Harold started to get some gas, and I was helping John to go to the restroom in the store. And as we approached the store, I looked in through the window, and I noticed it looked like Gangland Central. Can we, we're just keeping it real. I was the lightest. John and I were the only people of light color. And they looked like they could hurt me. The smallest of them was dangerous to me. And we're walking to the store, and one of them turned and looked at me, and I, the Miller Code of Conduct, I decided to wave and smile. And he hit his buddy on the shoulder. And they, made, they started to trot toward the door. And the first thought was, I can outrun John. <laughs> so, I love you, buddy. And one of them grabbed the interior door, and one of them grabbed the exterior door, and they held the door open. And one of them whispered, what happened? And I said, he had a stroke. What's his name? I said, John, and the guy who looked like a gangbanger became a cheerleader. He was like, Mr. John, you're doing great. You can make it. Proud of you, buddy. And the other guy holding the interior door, and I'm telling you, these did not look like church ushers. <laughs> the law of mirroring, if you saw hatred, I guarantee you would have experienced hatred because hatred would have been on your face. And then one of them decided, he said, what do you got to do? I said, he's got to go to the bathroom. Let me help you. And so he got, he held open the door and they repeated it on the way out, complete cheerleading all the way. Can I tell you another? Because I'm telling you, when we decide to put on the new, the whole world's going to change for us. The whole world will change because the greater one is in you and even he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Those who would want to hurt you won't be able to hurt you because the greater one was within you changing the course. They might have come at you with a weapon in their hand, but when they pull it out, it'll be a rose. I ain't lying. God's capable. There was another time, same thing. It was John and I, and we were coming out of our chiropractor's office, and we, I, I'm sure we looked great because John had thick glasses on that made him look like he was blind. And one time we put him in one of those little roll, the things you can drive around Lowe's, 
Sam's. And I wondered why people were like dodging out of the way because he had those thick glasses on and I'm going, John, left, left, John, right, right. And I thought they think I'm letting a blind man drive around with Sam's and they're like jumping out of the way. So John comes out, he's got these thick glasses on and he's got his walking stick and I'm on crutches. We made a pair. And guess what I see again? Another thug. Got his pants down to his knees. Looks. Same thing. He come running over. He said, can I help you? And I thought, yeah, I need help, man. He said, what car is yours? And so he helped John get in the car. He, got, he put John's seatbelt on. And then he looked at me and he, you need help too. I was like, no, I can do it. I get there by myself. And but when, when he, after he shut the door, I looked at him. I said, young man, thank you. Thank you. And he said, we're all created by the same God. All created. So see, the media lies. The media says there's no room. There's no love in the world. There is. If you're the only one in the room who decides to love, you stay in love and watch what God will do for reconciliation, for healing, for deliverance, and then even for prosperity. But if we want to be, if we want to experience the new, we got to put off that old. Is that okay? And so we can no longer judge each other according to what we see. Now we come to verse 17. All of that was the build up to this. If anyone is in Christ, then they're in love. And this person that is in Christ is a brand new creation. Because the hater is gone. The orphan's gone. The injured one was gone. Whether you were the one who dispersed hate or absorbed it, that's gone. And how many things are new? All things. For new things have come. Now listen to this, and I'll try to hurry up. The phrase to be in Christ means to be united to Christ by faith. Or to be in him as the branch is in the vine. It doesn't simply mean we've added Christ to our life. It means Christ has become our life. Amen. We are in Christ. We, every word is in Christ. Every thought is in Christ. From Christ we draw our life. From Christ we draw our value. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. In Christ. That is so united to the vine or so in it as to derive all of its nourishment and support from it and to be sustained entirely by it. Albert Barnes says this, that this in Christ implies that all our support is from him. All our strength is derived from him and denotes further that we shall partake of his fullness and share in his felicity. I didn't know what that word was. So I had to Google it. Because it says, we'll, he, Albert Barnes said, we'll share in his felicity. Felicity means, get this, intense happiness. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you're in Christ, you ain't got no room for depression. And you ain't got no right to be depressed. I'll... I'll you ain't got no right to be depressed. I don't want to say that and look at you. But it's true. If we're in Christ, 
all the things that caused us anxiety or would make us depressed are no longer a part. They're no longer relevant. So if we're in Christ, we share in his felicity. His intense happiness. And it's this person that's new. And glory as the branch partakes of the strength and the vigor of the parent vine. Isn't that good? You see that, it, that, you see that it is our union with him that makes everything new and special. We see as he sees. We love as he loves. This is what it means to be new. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. I'm going to try and hurry it up. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 says this, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge to, according to the image of the one who created it. I told you before, this is a choice. You and I can live as if this wonderful thing we call redemption is really not relevant to our life at all, and the only thing that secures us is a place in heaven. You can live that way if you want. But as for me and my house... I choose to see redemption as a here and now. That not only does it secure a place for me in heaven, but it revolutionizes my life. That it is relevant to today. It is relevant to what I'll face tomorrow. That this wonderful thing called redemption profits me now and in the life to come. Let's look Colossians 3 verse, is this okay? Out of the Passion Translation, listen to this. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you. What does the newness of life look like? It looks like Christ. Because you got to understand that God's greatest ambition for you, it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. Too many times we focus on the accessories and forget the main thing. The main thing is Christ's likeness. That the life he wants to impart to you is that you reign in life in the same way his son reigned in life. You serve others the same way his son served others. You love in the same way his son loved. You become uncontrollable by the enemy in the same way his son was uncontrollable by the enemy. There wasn't a problem Jesus faced that Jesus ever panicked about. Because Jesus had a realization of the greater one. He always counted on the God factor. Do we? Or do sometimes when problems come, we forget we're brand new creatures? Remember what I told you last week? If you've got to remind yourself a thousand times a day, then say it a thousand times. I'm new. I'm new. Devil, you ain't facing the old me. Those buttons have been disconnected. You're not going to provoke me the way you used to provoke me. I'm not going to fly off the handle the way I used to fly off the handle. I ain't going to do those old things. I put away those old things, and I put on the new. Devil, you ain't got no clue about the new, but you're about to. Being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. Verse 11, and then we'll close. In this new creation of life, your nationality makes no difference, or your ethnicity, or your education, 
or your economic status. And you know those are the three biggies the world judges everyone on? Your ethnicity, your education, or your economic status. So where did you go to school? I remember one time Deborah and I, I'll hurry up. Deborah and I went to a camp meeting of a big denomination because they wanted to bestow upon us an ordination so that we could train pastors overseas. And the question I kept getting as we were walk, being walked around and toured around the campgrounds because we were being toured by the, the person that was the head of the denomination. So people would come up and say, say, who are you? And how many generations have you been in? And then they named it because you weren't really a thoroughbred if you weren't there for three generations. And so that was, and did you go to, and they would name the university. And I'd look at them and say, strike one, strike two, strike three. I ain't nobody. Because they judge by ethnicity, education, and economic status. But this is the very thing the scripture says, the newness of life does not allow you to judge anyone according to those three. This is the reason why we can love a poor man just as wonderfully as we can love a rich man. And we can love each other no matter what our ethnicity. Why? Because we're all children of the same God. And it's the spiritual that matters. You're the redeemed of the Lord. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Hey, let's get together and have some coffee. Mm. All of these are human points of view. The new life is the Christ life. And Christ makes everything new. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning?